GM, GM, how's it going? Hey guys, I was just gonna say, uh, looks like we're ready to go. Thanks for joining, Colin. Obviously, Tony from the Shrapnel main account. Um, we'll let people keep coming in, but we can start chatting. Uh, you know, I, I don't like doing intros, especially uh, when we've got speakers like yourself. So I'll start by saying thank you for obviously joining us and giving us your time uh, to speak to the community. For anyone that's tuning in, uh, I think this is gonna be a fun hour or so we'll try to squeeze out as much information out of uh tony and colin as possible and hopefully uh, we'll have a good chat but before we begin i just want to let you i guess maybe we could start with you tony or colin whatever you guys prefer um for anyone living under a rock for the past couple of months uh tell us what is trapo and, and who you guys are colin i always take these i'm gonna let you go this time uh, i'm tony I look after Web3 marketing for Shrapnel, and I'm going to let Colin, our head of game, describe our game. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having us. So uh, Shrapnel is a project that we've had in the pipes for uh, getting on a couple of years now, I guess, in one, uh, one form or another. Uh, but we are a team of ex-Web2 AAA developers that uh, sort of got tired with the old studio system and wanted to try something new. Uh, that happened to coincide with Web3 really taking off. And since, you know, most of the members on our team had some version of the, like game making plus advanced technology, tip of the spear sorts of shit going on with their career anyway, we decided to sort of marry those ideas. So we've got everything that we wanted to see in sort of this next generation of new IP, as well as this new technology kind of, you know, strengthening it and making it a little bit more exciting. So we have been developing the title for a while now. Uh, while that's going on, we're also developing a suite of UGC tools, uh, active marketplaces, very robust economies, uh, all the super fun stuff. And we are actually getting to a point where we'll be able to show that publicly very, very soon. Uh, we're amping up for uh, GDC and consensus coming up before too long. And that's uh, that's going to be a pretty major milestone for the studio, right? Where it's we had all these sort of best guesses and bets that we were making in terms of where the industry was going and what we wanted to make. Uh, most of those bets seem like they're coming true and working out really well. So we're just really excited to get the whole thing out and have people bang on it and, you know, start that next step of the project where the community comes in, you know, with a more active hand on the till and helps us develop the thing. So, Tony, that's my, uh, if I missed a bunch of shit, you can fill me in. No, I think that was perfect. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, I think great intro. Couldn't have summed it up myself. So thank you for doing my job for me. Um I think for, you know, for people tuning in, some are definitely familiar with uh, the specific, I guess, type of uh, shooter game that you guys are, but some might not be. So let me start there before we dive a bit deeper into details. So what exactly is an extraction shooter for someone that hasn't ever played any of these? Yeah, so extraction shooters are a thing um, that had originally sort of been an offshoot of like the normal AAA shooter experience, but... You know, I'm sure people in this call are familiar with something like that, the Battle Royale. Like Battle Royale was sort of the big thing over the last, you know, five or eight years. Extraction looks like it's going to be that next thing. And the way that you define an extraction session is, you know, you could go into a game and, you know, score a dozen headshots, but you do not win. That is not the point of the match. In an extraction game, you're choosing how you want to outfit yourself before you go into a match knowing that if you die and your stuff gets taken, you lose it, right? So like it's no longer in your inventory. You don't own that item anymore. And so that sort of adds like a very cool, like high stakes, 
no, seriously, don't, don't use this tactic unless you're willing to lose your stuff. On the other side, anything that you can extract out of that session, you get to keep. So if I'm playing Tony, I shoot him, I take one of his dope weapons and I take that out, it's forever gone from him and I have it now unless I lose it in another extraction match. So I think you know it's pretty clear how that could be exciting from a Web3 perspective, right? Like if extraction is effectively a treasure hunt, you know, item A is worth more than item B. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, right? Like, you know, we're very excited about how those sorts of considerations are going to change game design. Like, you know, do I want to take this risk and potentially lose, you know, the last 40 minutes worth of progress that I've made? Or do I want to bet it all for this, you know, one hyper special edition high value item? You know, who knows? It all sounds very, very cool. It all sounds very streamable. Uh, but, you know, that's effectively where we're going with that. Um, then when we start layering in other things like what the UGC might mean in extraction game modes, then you start getting into some really interesting like game dev space that I don't think we have a lot of other projects we could point at doing the same thing, right? Like how that virtuous cycle of I get items that are worth, you know, X amount of value from a game session that informs what I do with the UGC. The UGC goes back into that extraction game session. And now we, you know, just start turning the crank and, the community starts to dictate sort of what items are important, where value comes from. And you know, now we're starting to talk about the whole like Web3 promise, like five years from now, what does that look like, right? Like I have no idea, but it seems really exciting. Yeah, Tony, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, you know, I think I'm, I've been a huge, I don't think, I've been, a, I've been a huge proponent of the creator economy for, you know, a decade now. And uh, I, I think that this is just the natural evolution of that, right? Um, we've seen, I read a great article about the, the Counter-Strike uh, economy, uh, skin economy, just yesterday. Um, we've seen kind of, you know, gold economies pop up for games like World of Warcraft and other MMOs. Um, and so, you know, I think the idea of, of transferring value between players uh, via in-game content is, is something that's been evolving, you know, as long as I've been playing video games. I, I, like, I joke with people, I paid for a bunch of my fraternity dues in college selling Ultima online accounts, right? Um, <laughs> and so I, I think that what really gets me excited here is like there's going to be someone like me in college who's who like makes the best door for shrapnel or the best building for shrapnel. Uh, and that person is going to be able to, you know, pay for some amount of their college by, by having like the most popular, uh, like I said, building in the game. That like if you're making a multiplayer map, in our game, it makes, doesn't make sense not to use Colin's uh, two-story office building because that is the ultimate uh, way to, you know, engage in a tactical shooter the, the way that we've built it or whatever, right? Like, that's going to happen. And that person is going to be able to uh, reap the benefits of their creativity and their their contributions to our ecosystem in a way that the people who made Dota, the original Dota in, uh, in Warcraft 3, you know, were not able to benefit from the way that, you know, frankly, the... Uh, the people who who made the original Counter Strike weren't able to benefit from right, like it was a mod on Half Life, uh, and so um, I think that the Web three and the way that we are approaching Web three specifically um, is is the natural evolution to this creator economy, which I'm super passionate about. I love that. Yeah, I wanted to kind of just pause and, and let you add your thoughts because my next question was kind of more focused on what you said there, um, Colin, specifically with the fact that you can walk away um, with either something everything or nothing um i guess the elephant in the room and it's probably a question that you're uh, tired or maybe even bored of uh, being asked but do you think 
the fact that this is real money on the line now, right? That, that you're dealing with practically NFTs and tokens and things like that. Do you think that there's a negative consequence to that or do you think it just like adds more excitement what are your views on that because you know it's 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 a different story when it's like someone's actual money versus a random item in a game do you think so maybe maybe you don't even agree with my uh argument but i don't know what you i mean like we used to have a lot of like you know late night arguments about that when we were first talking about even starting the company you know like is this a really cool idea that are going to get people excited or is it just completely wrong-headed you know and i think you know, from our perspective, like we didn't want to go into this just thinking like, what is a game that we can make right now? We we want to sort of incorporate everything we've done up to this point and the games we've shipped before and sort of where we think the industry is. And I think, you know, if this was the only game that was getting released, uh, you know, next year, then I think that, you know, any of those arguments around like, oh, you know, now there's money in games that sucks. Like, you know, that's not what gaming's about or whatever, you know, Twitter argument you want to throw at it. And I think my response would be, this is one more game in a very robust ecosystem. And it's okay if that serves a specific function for a specific group of people. Like, no one needs to play this. And in fact, like, if people want to play um, the game without really interacting with any of the Web3 backend, it is free to play, like hard stop. Like, it is a free to play game. And you can elect to engage with some of this other stuff, but we're never hitting you over the head with it. And I think, you know, it it doesn't seem unfair to me to say like, Hey, you know, if our game isn't call of duty enough for you, you can go play call of duty. Like that game is there. If you want something that's, you know, a little bit more battlefield, go play battlefield. That's cool. If it's a Friday night and you know, you're feeling a little punchy and you know, you want something that feels a little bit more high stakes, like a different kind of gameplay experience, then come play with us, you know, and that'd be totally cool too. Like raising water lifts all boats. And so like, I think if we go into that, like stepping away from this sort of like acquisition model of like the game isn't a success unless literally every single person in the world is playing it nonstop, that's unrealistic. And if we try to develop against something like that, we're going to fail, right? But if we can say like, nope, we want this highly curated, very bespoke experience that feels like it's very thoughtfully built for a specific reason. And if you are into it, you can come hang out with us and play with that. That feels like a much more sort of... um I guess, even-handed approach to that, right? Like, like rather than trying to hit every single consumer type and fail, we're just being very specific and then trying to selectively build on that. And that goes from like the game to the UGC to the marketplace stuff. Like we're trying to be very disciplined about saying we are going to crawl, walk, run, and we're going to interrogate every additional development fork that we might want to go through, through the frame of, is this making the experience better for the largest number of people? Gotcha. I mean, I think we were having a, a fun uh, conversation in Discord earlier and someone brought up the point of like, how do you stop me from camping with a sniper and just waiting for someone to try to go to the oh, totally. point and then just like completely destroying him and, and walking away instead? Well, so you're talking about a slightly different thing. There's the like, is it fun for people to, you know, sort of like wager with FPSs? We think the answer is yes. I'm like, yeah, that's cool there's a completely other conversation of anticipating like negative actors and, you know, developing what we call attack vector mitigation, right? So like AAA games are already griefed all the time and they're constantly hacked and it's a big pain in the ass for the community. We're adding value to that. So from day one, we always just assume that our sort of danger profile was 10 X any other game in this space. 
And so we've been throwing really a pretty broad net at that to try to solve for that problem, knowing that, you know, of course, we're not going to get absolutely everything, but, you know, a ton of the developers on this team have games as a service background. So we're sort of used to this idea of constantly defending everywhere. And so we've got hardware solutions, we've got ML solutions, we've got community um, curation solutions to that. And it's really about just throwing as many obstacles in the way of griefing as we can. So, you know, uh, there could be a number of different uh, examples for that, right? Like maybe you're using an auto aimer in the game and we detect it and kick you out. Like, right, that's, that happens across every game that you could play right now. Then there's another world where Tony tries to create a level in the UGC system that is a completely empty map that just spawns Sigma constantly. It's like, all right, that's obviously we can't publish that. That's a pretty direct attack vector. What would we do to keep that map from being published, right? And so you can imagine like, that sort of like matrix of attacks versus solutions is getting really pretty insane and pretty robust. But, you know, we feel pretty strong about the partners that we have. And, you know, we've been talking uh, with anti-cheat vendors basically since like 2020, right? Like this has been built into the DNA of the thing forever. So like a number of different things you need to consider, like, you know, sometimes it's just a person that doesn't quite know what they're doing and, you know, they try to create something that's just not quite cooked enough and it causes problems and we need to deal with that person. Then there's another case of, you know, just straight up malicious actors that we're going to treat a little bit differently. And, you know, that's just going to be an ongoing process for us. Like if we're lucky and the product is successful, we'll be talking about this basically forever. Right. I love that. You actually touched on my one of my other points, which was going to be about, you know, bad actors and then people trying to hack into the game. So it's great to see that you guys obviously have thought this through. Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump to my next point. And obviously, you know, it's great having you as, as head of game because uh, I think you can help us paint a better picture of kind of the inspiration and then where you're going with the direction of the game. But I think the closest uh, comparison that you could probably make from traditional gaming is somewhere between Escape from Tarkov, maybe Hunt Showdown. What have those games, you know, previously done in terms of inspiring you in building shrapnel and how is shrapnel different so you know if you were selling this uh let's say an escape from tarkov uh veteran for example like how is shrapnel different and you know i guess in, in its own unique way besides being a web3 game yeah i mean it, so that's been sort of developing as time goes on because we want to make sure that we're not just making the thing we said we were going to make because we said we would like we have an opportunity as a new studio to sort of constantly be reevaluating what we're doing and that's, that's really interesting. It's kind of scary, but it's also, you know, pretty cool. But it means that if we're like banging against a play test and something just isn't quite coming together, we get to change that. Like we're not beholden to some other franchise. We just get to, you know, tweak it. So when we start off, you know, by saying it's going to be extraction, that's going to look a little bit like the division dark zone. It's going to look a little bit like Tarkov, you know, why are we chasing that thing? And I think the, the simplest way to say it is that I think playing Escape from Tarkov was, you know, the most excited many members of this team had been playing an FPS in a really long time. Like, you know, you can imagine that everybody on the team, you know, goes home and they put their hours into whatever their shooter is at the time. And it's just, you know, a, a very strong gaming contingent here. And so to be able to surprise those kinds of designers and those kinds of people is really telling. Like, that's that's a big deal, right? Like, you know, you're causing all these old graybeards to shake the cruft off and get really excited about a game again. The only thing there, though, is if you look at, you know, Tarkov just all up as a product, it's a pretty rough experience, right? Like, there are a lot of knobby edges on it that, you know, I think more often than not are, are there for a reason, right? Like, 
in their case, those bumps in the road are actually part of the realism, part of the simulation and part of what they're trying to get across, which is cool. And I respect the hell out of that. But I think, you know, 90% of the people that try to play Tarkov bounce off of it because, you know, they sort of um, underdeveloped the rest of it, right? Like the extraction element's pretty cool. But then there's the other, you know, 80% of the time that I'm spending on a game while I play it in that time kind of sucks, right? With, you know, all due respect to those guys, they made the thing they wanted to make, but we think that you could hit more people more often if you just sanded some of those rough edges off the user experience. Now, while that's happening, while we say like, okay, how do we sort of triple A this up and make it a little bit easier, a little bit more fun, whatever. At the same time, we need to challenge absolutely every single sort of game design fundamental that we bring into this because of the real world value attached on the end of it, right? Like, you know, apologize if you like heard this one before, because I say this all the time, but you know, if you were racing for money in Mario Kart, you wouldn't play it the way that you normally do, right? Like you wouldn't be like throwing yourself off Rainbow Road. You'd have to be much more thoughtful and much more considerate. And that's sort of what we're betting this game on, right? Like it's right now there's this general, you know, vibe in the shooter space where it's very, very twitchy. And, you know, it's people doing backflips out of fucking skateboards and eating pizza and shooting rockets at each other, whatever. And that's all super fun. Like, Apex is super duper fun, but it's a very specific kind of play experience. And what we want to try to do is serve sort of the other side of it, where it is a more deliberate, thoughtful, and strategic sort of, you know, thinking man shooter. Like, that's the way that we've been presenting it over here. And that's where, like, to, like, directly answer the question, it's a little, like, squishy, softy, game designy. But the way that we're trying to differentiate is just by saying we allow opportunities in our game that you don't get elsewhere, right? So like the opportunity to mix and match classes while you're out in a field with like non-team members of the community, right? So like organic alliances in the field, that's a very different thing than what you might find in other games like in this space but it's hard to really know what that means until you get a controller in people's hands, right? Like it's like that look and feel thing that, you know, I could tell you feels really awesome right now. You're not really going to get it until you play with it. Right. And so there's a little bit of that. There's the, like, what is the second to second minute to minute that I'm experiencing in the game and how is that different? But I think if you're looking for like the big feature on the back of the box that differentiates it for us, that is the UGC element, right? Like, for a really long time now, AAA shooters have sort of split away from the UGC side of the house because the content has gotten so sophisticated and so difficult to make. It's, you know, very hard to get back to those days of Unreal Tournament, right? Just because there's so much shit to do. And so what we've been doing is like trying to ensure that we can give you a AAA look and feel for the UGC, like while, you know, shaving off as much of the complexity as we can. And so hopefully what that means is that when you start up Shrapnel, you know, you're not playing one of the levels that we made, you're playing one of the levels your buddy did. And that's, I think, the thing that's really missing from the space right now. I love that. I mean, you also mentioned something interesting a bit earlier, which was someone setting up a, a map that would be empty and just spawn Sigma all the time. And you said that that would be a no-go. So I guess the obvious question is, uh, what is the Sigma? Is that kind of the juice that is the focus of Shrapnel? Is that what I'm trying to extract? Is that the currency equivalent in the game? Can you tell us a bit more about um, Sigma? Yeah, that's your MacGuffin. So like, you know, 
if you have three things that you could capture, it's like a small handgun, a rocket launcher, or Sigma, you always want the Sigma because that's the thing that has the most direct value. And it just allows you to do other shit in the ecosystem. But at the same time, it's super dangerous to go get and it's much rarer than the other items. And so basically, like, we want you to be in a situation where you're with your buddies and you're planning how you want to storm a building using, you know, everybody's different abilities or, you know, uh, class buffs or whatever it might be. And you're ready to go. You're ready to breach a door and storm a building. And then you see Sigma come down like elsewhere on the map and you immediately say, fuck it, drop everything. That's what we're going to go do. And that's what every other team is doing as well. Right. So it's, that's how we're going to control sort of when engagements happen, how we want them to happen and raise stakes when we need to. Gotcha. So then I guess the, the next obvious question is about the Sigma containment units. So, um, you know, without sounding too dumb, is that is that how you actually extract uh, Sigma? Is, did you need the NFT? Do you need the containment units in order to extract? Or like, how does how does the actual NFT that you're launching now with Magic Eden come into the picture of, of the game experience itself? Right. So like what we like about the piece of equipment is that it's sort of the one thing that threads every single player in the game. So we have, you know, factions that are, you know, very like scrappy and hard scramble and like, you know, uh, they like to appropriate equipment. So they look a little bit more patchworky. And we've got other classes that are like very sleek and very sophisticated and very technologically advanced. But that one thing that combines everybody in any sort of mismatch of equipment is that SCU, right? Like that's the one thing, you know, everybody's going to have. And ultimately we're going to come up with, you know, different brands, different pieces of technology. Like, you know, you can imagine like the big heavy Soviet briefcase version, the more ultra sleek, like, you know, crypto wallet style. Like, you know, there are different ways that we could express different backgrounds and different production designs, like for the different SEUs. But, you know, we just look at that as like a really cool platform to, to grow the IP and allow people to customize when they want to. Uh, in terms of how this particular SCU run is going to factor into the game, uh, just know that like it is, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're uh, working on it now, like where those hooks are going to be to sort of reward the people that have had things longer or been with the community for, you know, X length of time or whatever it might be. But this is us just sort of evaluating how deep into the game we think we can get with some of our NFT mints. And uh, it's looking like it's going to be pretty slick. Like, just having the thing that you bought show up in the game is already kind of like a thrilling thing when we're talking about the fidelity that we are like in that triple a space. Uh, but there's just, there's nowhere to go, but up for us with this, like, you know, on our, like from our perspective, we've proven out the back end just to make sure that like, yes, we can write to chain and then that can be expressed in the engine and like all the rest of it. So like the plumbing is hooked up. Now we just like, it effectively becomes like a Marcom strategy. Like, when do we want to turn on this functionality or this feature or that or whatever it might be? But, you know, the, the exciting bit of knowledge there, I guess, is just the fact that it's all like plugged in and working. Correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I was just reading up on this earlier and I think it said somewhere that there will only be 10,000 SEUs. So does that mean that you're looking to limit the potential pool of players that can extract Sigma from the ecosystem to 10,000? Or is that just like a soft you know, figure at first and you'll, you'll expand as the game grows. Like what, what's the logic there? Well, it's all additive. And like what we're trying to do with the NFTs is separate it from functionality because like we've got a very strong, like no pay to win in the studio. And so like when we think about what these things will give you, like there are certain unlockables you could see in the game or there could be skins or vanities. 
but nothing that's like, it would never, if you don't have one of these, it would never prohibit you from being successful in the game, you know? Yeah, so the the SCU NFTs that you'll get, um, we're going to mint them across three chains, Polygon, ETH Mainnet, and Avalanche. And those NFTs, the smart contract for those NFTs are actually redeemable. And so when the game launches in the future, uh, when you log into the game with your with your Shrapnel account and you've associated that account with a wallet that has one of these NFTs in it, you will then receive additional NFTs in our game, uh, which are skins for the SCU. So every player goes into battle with an SCU. If you look, uh, some of the stuff we pinned up there is actually some good um, close-ups of the SCUs in there. Um, so everyone will have like a, a standard one, but the, the people who hold these 10,000 will get a, a custom skin for their SCU and they'll actually get, they'll get a couple of, of skins for, uh, uh, to use in the game as a function of holding this thing. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm coming back to you, Tony, because you've been quiet for a while, but, uh, thanks, thanks for clarifying. So, you know, let me, let me pause here, um, and ask you this. So obviously, you know, the game's still a bit, um, let's say away from, from launch. Uh, you almost slipped there and, and announced the launch date, Tony, by the way. I noticed that. Um, but in terms of like the traction that you had so far, obviously everyone's super hyped. Everyone wants to see the game. You guys have you know, won a couple of awards. Um, most anticipated game in our uh, game awards last year. Do you feel pressure from all the anticipation or are you more excited because of you know how people are actually looking out for your announcements and seeing if you slip up or if you actually pull it off. I mean, from my perspective, I've, I've never been more hyped to be uh, on a, on a team um, that's launching a product. You know, I've, I've worked at some, some pretty big companies, spent a lot of my career at Amazon and Nintendo and EA sports. And I don't think that I've ever been around uh, a team that is as ready to launch a product as this one is. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool uh, being like one of the least experienced people at the studio, like everyone that that I'm working with at Shrapnel has launched games that are household products, right? Like Halo, Call of Duty, CSGO, Bioshock Infinite, right? Um, and so there is definitely a sense of like, we got to nail it. And you can tell that there's a, a healthy level of tension in the studio, but it, it feels like what I imagine, um, you know, like the an, an Olympic team feels like before they're going to win a gold medal right that's that's how that's very much how it feels there's a lot of intensity there's a lot of excitement there's a ton of pride for the work that's going on um but everyone feels really prepared and and like they've been there before i love it no it's great i mean i think you guys obviously it's it's a great feat uh i think eyes are are definitely on you but uh i'm more excited chatting with you and you know definitely keen to try out the game in gdc speaking of trying out the game someone dropped in a funny comment in discord earlier saying what the hell was wrong with uh the aim of whoever was playing in that gameplay uh earlier trailer that you guys released i think it was a bit shaky but talk to us a bit more about that because i think that's the only snippet we've gotten to see from your game so far um you know the rooftop fights i think a bit in the corridors and alleys and things like that so um Walk us through, I guess, how close is this to the final product? Um, is this the type of action that we can expect in every single fight? Are some fights going to be a bit more, you know, strategy and lay back and, and try to snipe people out? Or is it all going to be high action, jumping over rooftops, sliding through corridors, blocking grenades with some cool-ass gadget thingy shield that pops up out of your watch? 
Yeah, that that's a like one of those learning moments for us because when we were putting that together, you know, we were like putting together the trailer and we had a bunch of mocap and we had these like different levels that we were putting together like while we were doing our own internal play testing. And it was like, let's put some of the mocap in one of our scenes and people will get a kick out of it. Like that'll be pretty rad, right? And I think we were all kind of blindsided by how many people actually watched it and like really drilled into it. Where it's like, well, you know, our building is going to be that taller and I'm actually going to run that fast. And we were like, whoa, 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 like hold the fucking phone. Like this was just meant to be like a, a behind the scenes thing. But it made us realize that, you know, we had more eyes on the project that we thought and like people were really interested to drill into it to a depth that we weren't really anticipating. So now when we release stuff, you know, we, we either try to front load it with like, hey, I know this looks like a game and sounds like a game. It's not, this is us just doing like, you know, fabric simulation on a character. And we thought that would be cool to share, but you know, this is not like a screenshot from game, right? Or if we actually do release like gameplay footage, it's like, this is what's ready. This is what's not, this is what's in development, whatever. Right. So like, you know, that's us. Like we just, we learned how to do our messaging a little bit better. Uh, you know, as long as we get better, not a big deal. I think when it comes to the actual play styles itself, when we do trailers like that, it's not just for the community. Like it's also an internal tool for us to like sort of evaluate what it is we're trying to do. Like we think that's the game we want to make. Let's put together a demo and see how it feels. And if we dig it, we'll keep doing it. If not, we'll change it, you know, whatever. So like when we looked at the trailer, that was like an aspirational thing. It's like, what would it mean to move that quickly or, what would it mean for traversal across, you know, vertical play styles, like an apartment building? How would that feel different versus, you know, wide open field battlefield style stuff, right? So what we wanted to do is create something that could exist in the shrapnel world as sort of a North Star that our own devs could uh, sort of chase after. At the same time, we want to support other kind of play styles as well. So if we are doing the thing where, you know, I'm just being a creep and I'm up on a rooftop you know, waiting to snipe people out because, you know, that's how I, that's how I get most of my Sigma. We do want you to be able to do that as well. But there is this feeling that this sort of like energetic, fast moment to moment combat is a thing that happens in the game. So you can almost imagine like peaks and valleys of, you know, setup and strategy and evaluation. And then it sort of peaks into these like very fast, very brutal moments of combat. And then it ebbs back down again. And that sort of corresponds to how different extraction modes are happening or how different teams are operating or whatever. So long way of saying like, yes, we do want the combat to feel like that. We also want to balance that off with uh, different sorts of combat. But, um, you know, as like an aspirational piece, I, I think it's still, you know, like we still look at that and say, you know, the things that we're experiencing in QA support this. Um, you know, whenever uh, people have like comments or critiques, it seems to lend support to this vision of something that feels a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more urban. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an ongoing conversation for a really long time. I love the passion uh, that you guys have for the game. And I think, you know, a lot of really cool stuff coming out of the team just naturally as, as folks that have worked on so many famous and, and iconic uh, shooter games. But there has to be something that stands out for you personally. Um, I don't know if it's a mechanic in the game. I don't know if it's a, it's a specific like move. Personally, I, I guess I'll, I'll ask both of you. Maybe we'll start with you, uh, Colin. Like, what's your favorite feature about the game? Not Web three, not NFT related. 
none of that stuff but like genuinely playing the game this is the one thing where you're like oh shit you know with, with some call of duties it was the sliding with other games it was maybe you know the the flying the jetpacking yeah. the, the the dropping out of buses what's that for you in trapno i think right now it's it's the actual sigma fall itself and i think i, I believe we started putting out some examples of, of the development that we're doing with that but you know it's very cool like it's this dramatic moment um, and so when I say this too, like when we say Sigma fall, there's literally like you look up in the sky and see meteorites hit like the map. You need to run to those things, find the Sigma and extract it. And what I like about it, you know, outside of just like the cool Michael Bay bits and, you know, the fact that it feels like a, you know, this dramatic showcase of the technology that we have, I really like that it sort of throws a curveball at anything that might've been happening in the map up to that point. Right. So like, one of our design principles is you can never feel like something happened for no reason, like because there's real value on the line, right? And if like you've had a really successful match for the last 40 minutes and suddenly your head explodes from across the map because somebody sniped you, you're going to wash out of the game, right? Like you're going to feel like that was a shitty experience and, you know, I'm going to go play something else. So with that as sort of this backdrop, no matter doing it's all going to fall down as soon as sigma comes in right like it's the the best laid plans you know immediately fly out the window as soon as this high stakes and dramatic moment happens and i've worked on a lot of games where we say we want to do that but it's always the first thing that gets triaged out because it's really hard to make those sorts of events happen like you can never say you know as long as people play the game the way that i designed it they're going to have a ton of fun because you can't anticipate how people are going to play your game. All you can really do is set it up to be as successful as possible and to set up those moments as often as possible. And that's how you sort of get that magic look and feel. And so I think actually coming up with a game where in the beginning, you know, you and I both like leave two separate alleyways at the same time and we look at each other and there are a couple of beats and we decide not to engage with each other. Because we both know that, you know, we don't have enough equipment to make it worthwhile. You know, maybe your equipment is outfitted in such a way to have an advantage over mine or whatever it might be, right? Ten minutes later, we see each other again. And now we're doing that in battlefield evaluation of, all right, do I, am I going to take this guy down because I think he's got, you know, enough Sigma to make it worth it? Uh, am I actually going to form an alliance with this person because both of our classes are complementary to each other and we're kind of in over our head or whatever it might be? It's, it's very tricky to build those systems into games and then have people actually use them or have it like impact their play in a meaningful way. And I think we're getting much closer than I've, I've seen elsewhere to making that sort of thing happen. And I think if we can stick the landing on that, Shrapnel becomes a forever game, right? Like there are so many strategies and so many techniques and so many different ways to sort of peel an orange that I think like that community can get into that self-sustaining place much, much faster. And so like, that's kind of a like, you know, behind the scenes plumbing version of excited for features. But I think the way that we're knitting things together, just, it feels like it's going to be a really unique experience. And yeah, that's the most exciting bit for me. Love it. Tony, what about you? Don't just unmute and say the, the rocket launcher or something. You got to give me something, uh, as as uh, emotional and exciting as as Colin there, I hope you know that I was actually going to unmute and say the rocket launcher. So yeah, <laughs> you just completely stolen my thunder. No, um, yeah, I've I've actually I've gotten to play the game uh, a couple of a couple of times, even in the last week, and it's come so much uh, further than 
um, the what we've shown so far. And I think what I'm what I'm most excited about um, is the 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 mechanics around the like multi extraction opportunity, right? Like it's it really creates um, multiple decision points that feel that make the that make the match feel really important, right? Like you you have a lot of agency as a player over uh, how much risk you're going to take on at any given point in the game, especially after the first extraction. Like once you get to the point where you're good enough to make it to the first extraction and make it or make it through the first extraction to the second one, it, it's really just like a whole different game because now you're every time you're, you're, you're evaluating whether or not you want to pull out with the, the stuff that you've been able to, to get. And if you pick up like not a lot of Sigma, but a little bit, it's even more tempting. You're like, all right, should I go for the next Sigma storm or should I, should I all ask for the extraction? Um, and it feels very, it, like I said, it, it makes each match and, and not just each match, but different points in each match feel really important and, and may, it feel like moments. And actually, I think that's one of the things that's going to make the game really watchable, too. I think there's going to be moments when people are like on the edge of their seat and they're like yelling at their favorite streamer to, to extract instead of stay for the third extraction. Right. Like, and I'm, I'm very keen to see that. Love it. No, I mean, I can't wait. Um, we've got a bunch of gameplay questions that I want to fly through and then um, I really want to give it a couple of minutes to just chat about the actual mint that's happening on Magic Eden. Um, so let me see. I'll start with this one because it's interesting. You know, you mentioned teaming up with friends and squads and things like that. What's the, what's the I guess, structure that you guys have in mind in terms of multiplayer? Is it going to be mostly solos? Or are you planning to do like solos, duos, trios, and squads? Um, is it bigger teams? Is it, you know, smaller? What's, what's that look like for you so far? I mean, it's basically like all of the above uh, as we start to play these things out. Like the map that we have now, uh, we think probably represents like a quarter of the overall size. And we usually run between eight and 10 people through. I think generally speaking, we're looking at, uh, we're saying session matches of around 40 people, but you know, I would expect that to go up and down, you know, constantly in the next year as we just kind of calibrate like TTK and sort of like, how the actual flow of those battles are supposed to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's all exciting stuff. It's like, that's the kind of thing where we just, we have that callus built up to know that anything we do, like anything we put out is going to be wrong. So then we just bang on it with the community and rev it again and again and again until we start to dial in sort of what makes a shrapnel level and how that makes it different from other competitors out in that space. Got it. Okay, so shout out to Dove for that one. Gaspo's asking, how long do you see a play session being? And are there any shorter modes? So with that um, like 40-person sort of team-based battle that we're talking about, I think we sort of squint our eyes and think between 40 minutes and an hour. Uh, but then, of course, you know, if you want to like carve off your own game mode where it's all you know, five minutes at a time, you're free to do that. But the way that we're kind of calibrating overall extraction now is for one of those larger matches. As you guys can imagine, like any one of those variables affects a dozen other variables, right? Where if it's a 60 person match versus a 20 person match, then like we need to tweak our distances between buildings and how long the sessions are and how many Sigma fall there might be like, et cetera, et cetera. So I think where we'll eventually end up is in a space where we're probably locking and unlocking parts of larger maps based on how many people are playing it. So, you know, if there's two of us, maybe we're actively in a small corner. If there are 100 people in the match, you know, maybe you unlock the whole thing and it's, you know, I don't know, six kilometers by six kilometers or whatever it might be. And then we can actually like dial in with more granularity 
how we would want to play something like duos or how we would want to do something like quads. And like ultimately what we'd like to do is say that the way that you build out those games, like as we start to stand up more, the UGC starts to sort of procedurally populate these maps out in a way that's really exciting and hopefully like somewhat randomized. So like, you know, if what I said doesn't make any sense, <clears throat> just imagine like a new randomly generated level each time that could be really, really interesting, you know, so long as we could actually preserve, you know, lines of sight and those different like game QA things that we've been throwing so much effort at, but just that's sort of like the possibility space that we want to see things going in. Like, you know, how can we make sure that every time you come into shrapnel and use our tools and engage with the ecosystem, you're getting something new and dope and surprising and hopefully super fun. See, I think because we talk so much about the game, I'm getting like a lot of uh, gameplay focused questions, which, which I'm not complaining about. But this one's asking specifically in terms of like tournament features, seasonal battle passes. Do you guys yep. have plans around those? Yeah, totally. And like, I, you know, one of my little like Colin quips that I threw out is like, you know, the, the easiest way to fail at making an esport is to say you're making an esport, you know, like. All you can do is make the best game that you can uh, try to make sure that it's got the hooks that an esport community might want, but you can never just say like, Oh yeah, we're going to have the fucking funnest game and everyone's going to love it. Like that's, <clears throat> you know, we've seen plenty of games fail at doing that. So I think, uh, you know, for us, we know we're going to have the structure and like the way sessions get built out, that is all going to be super easy to map to sort of unexpected esports push. But yeah, for us, that just sort of organically comes online after we've built out some of the other systems, right? Like, so we're not actively building like a tournament system now, but what we are building is a super robust matchmaking and, you know, really heavy MEF support that makes sure that it's effortless for you to bring your buddies into a match and set up uh, specific sessions, right? So uh, long way of saying yes to all of it. It's just when it all comes online. Makes sense, makes sense. And I know the game hasn't even been out yet, but you already have a question about skins and uh, what you guys are planning to do around working with potentially other, you know, Web3 games, other brands in the space, and just overall, how are you going to, for example, have clan tags and custom sprays yep. and things like that? I mean, so that's another one where if you can imagine us doing it, we're probably doing it. Uh, I'm actually at a point in the studio now where, you know, my absolute 1 million percent focus up to this point has been in standing up the game uh, the game is stood up, which is a really exciting point. So now what I'm going to do in sort of like this role as studio creative director is sort of turn the eye of Sauron over to the UGC side of the house and try to get that into a space that's, you know, as polished as where we are with the game. And that's what those conversations are. It's what's the map maker tool look like? How do skins work? What do materials look like? Uh, what are we giving to MEFs that they might not get in other games? And it's, it's going to be all of it. It's how can we get people customizing as effortlessly and as quickly as possible to buy ourselves a little bit more time to make sure that things like the geometry and map tools are where they need to be, like just from a UX perspective. And then you just continually leapfrog that development and just add more and more and more. But, you know, some of this stuff is just table stakes. Like, you know, we can't have a game that doesn't let you customize your weapon. Like that's just a thing that's been expected. But once, you know, most of that is built up, then we can start experimenting with some of the more aspirational stuff, which will be pretty exciting. 
I love it. Okay, um, I know we're we're starting to near the hour, so I'll pause here. Uh, Tony, maybe uh, off to you. Tell us a bit more about the mint that's happening on Magic Eden. Obviously, we discussed the SEUs. We talked about why they're important, et cetera, et cetera. But what are the details that we need to know? When is it happening? Where is it happening? How can I join it, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at a high level, we will be minting 10,000 of these uh, Sigma container units, uh, 3,333 across uh, Polygon, ETH mainnet, and Avalanche. There will also be a one-of-one airdropped uh, to one of the minters um, that is, it looks pretty sweet. It's golden and it'll give uh, additional uh, perks that we will announce uh, later. Um, but all of the holders of the SCU uh, will start by getting um, exclusive access uh, to a set of decals within our, our, our decal tool, which is like the first layer of our UGC creator tools. Uh, and then they will also get early access uh, to our next level of creator tools, things like the map creator, the skin creator. Um, so the SCU is really leaning into the 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 idea of our our skin, our UGC content. And then we've actually partnered with uh, several popular Web three artists, uh, Euphoria being one of them that we've we've just recently started talking about. Um, who are going to make the in-game skins that you're going to that you're going to get for uh, your character to wear? So like the S the SCU NFT that you get is more of like a promotional like a, a redemption NFT, if you will. That NFT across any of the blockchains will be able to be redeemed for several NFTs on on the Avalanche subnet that uh, Shrapnel is is on, right? And so those NFTs will then give you the ability to use the items in game. Um, so we'll have uh, three popular Web3 artists and we're partnering with a couple of different uh, game communities as well to come up with the art for those um, for those SCUs. And then uh, further down the road, we will announce uh, collaborations uh, with folks that are also rooted in in-game skins and, and uh, decals. So um, you can go on our website and see the kind of people we're partnered with. Uh, Razor Myth is a popular streamer that we're, we're partnered with. You can imagine um, some of those folks creating, you know, in-game content that we then release to the holders of these NFTs. You know, if you don't get us a Pokestarter Gaming green uh, skin, we'll just pretend like we're uh, we got the Razor one and it was designed for us. Um, so oh yeah, we definitely got it. We got to talk about that for sure. And actually, I'm gonna pin a <laughs> I'm gonna pin a tweet up here in a second um, with uh, the first uh, early art reveal for the the Polygon SEU. This is not the final art. Um, but it is uh, a close a close approximation of what it's going to look like, and it's pretty sweet. We're posting it here in the next minute or so, and I'll, I'll pin it up top. Uh, it's a good segue into my next question. You said Polygon, ETH, Avalanche. What's the logic behind you know, being on all these chains um, as a Web3 game? Do you think being multi-chain in you know, different aspects, different regards, obviously you're on the Avalanche subnet, but do you think it adds more value? Does it confuse your users more? Um, how have you guys been seeing this? Yeah, you know, we we maintain the position that blockchain gaming, it like Web two gaming, is going to propagate across all blockchains and all all uh, platforms in the same way that, you know, the most successful, in my opinion, in many people's opinions, Web two games have propagated across multiple platforms. Um, it, you know, it's just it gives more people the opportunity to engage with the game to to enjoy the content, um, and so yeah, really the the logic behind doing the SCU min across multiple chains. Um, was to to expand the audience uh, while also rewarding our existing holders, right? All of our existing operator holders get uh, a free SCU mint um, relative to the number of operators that they hold, and so um, you know they're gonna they're gonna be rewarded 
and we're also going to bring uh, you know a, a large number of new people into the game and into the ecosystem. And again, the the promotional NFT that you'll get, while it, it does look super dope, and I'm excited to share it, um, is only kind of like the the top layer of what you're getting with with the NFT. The really cool stuff is going to be the skins that you can that you can wear in game that um, that we're making with these popular artists and these collab partners of ours. Gotcha. And in true spirit of being, you know, one of the few shows that actually wraps up within the hour, um, I, I want to just, before closing here, uh, give you a moment to maybe give us your final thoughts, anything that we haven't covered that you're excited about, anything that we need to keep an eye out on. Feel free to drop any, you know, leaked information. Uh, feel free to slip up again, Tony, and tell us when the game's coming out. Um, floor is yours. Well, I'll, I'll avoid getting fired. I got my bus listening here too. But, um, you know, what I will say is, uh, you know, I think you're going to be at GDC with us, uh, you know, Polka Starter team. And one of the things we're really excited about is getting um, some folks, getting their hands on the game at GDC. We'll have our uh, behind closed door um, uh, demo that we're doing. Uh, we have, you know, almost all of our slots uh, filled up for that. So we've, we've already got a lot of people excited to come check it out. Um, and then uh, at Consensus this year, we will be on the show floor uh, where anyone who's at the show will be able to play uh, and check out the game. So really excited about those two those two upcoming uh, beats, if you want to call them that. And then lastly, I guess I would say you know we're gonna we're gonna have a page on the Epic Game Store later this year um, where you'll be able to add us to our to your wish list and get ready to download the game uh, and play it with everyone. And so that's also gonna be like just really exciting for us. And then if you get a chance, go ahead and look at the pin tweet up top. We just shared it 34 seconds ago. Um, but this is the the initial art for the the SCUs that we we worked out. Colin and the the rest of the game team gave us some feedback, and we made some slight changes. But um, we're really excited. It looks pretty dope. Colin, I can't wrap up without letting you uh, also give us a few final thoughts. Thank you so much, by the way, for giving us an insight. I think it's refreshing to speak to someone that's like purely focused on game because you know the questions that we draw out of the conversation are so different compared to like talking you know, strictly blockchain and Web3. But yeah, final thoughts, things you're excited about, things you want to kind of uh, let slip as well. Feel free to go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think everybody knows it's been sort of like a shitty news week. But yeah, this is where I can kind of put on my um, my sappy founder hat and just say like, you know, a year ago, there were like eight of us in a room smelling each other's farts, like hoping that a game could happen. And now, you know, there are 60 people in the studio you know, at least as many externally, like partnering with us to make the thing happen. We're showing at GDC, which is, you know, from the game side of the house, sort of a rite of passage. Like that's the thing that makes us real in the eyes of so many of our colleagues and just the audiences. So that's fucking cool. Uh, Tony mentioned that uh, before too long, you're going to be able to go to the Epic Game Store and, uh, you know, play us before too long. That's a huge fucking deal too, right? Like, the fact that Web3 is expressed in this way on a major Web2 platform like that, with all the support that comes from that, with the reach that comes from that. Like, so I think it's just, you know, a moment to step back and say that as much as, you know, there are still peaks and valleys in Web3 now, you know, the thing is happening. You know, like we knew it was going to take a little bit of time to make something that could really compete with some of what we were looking at with Web2. And it is happening. Like it's going to take a little bit uh, and there are going to be some bumps and bruises on the road, but you know, if we can just stick with it, I think we'll be having some pretty interesting conversations within the next year. Yeah, shout out to all 60 plus members of your team and obviously shout out to all 100 plus uh, people
people that tuned in to today's conversation. Thank you for anyone that you know stuck around until the very end. Obviously, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Colin, for your time. And I'm super excited for what you guys are building. I think it's going to be super epic. I can't wait to try the game out myself at GDC. So I'll let you guys know what I think. I uh, might even write up a, a quick early alpha review or something like that for, for anyone that doesn't manage to make it there. But once again, thank you. And obviously, best of luck for the Mint. I think we're all excited. Everyone's uh, holding on to their whitelist spot, just uh, waiting for their SAU to pop up. So all the best. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. We're, we're super excited to be working with you all. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, guys.